As a business owner or manager, you might be saying, what the H-E double hockey sticks is going on? If the pandemic wasn't disruptive enough, now we have a waft of other concerns, especially around how we manage our human interactions. And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs, just like you, to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them create the jaw-dropping, show-stopping experience their customers and their employees deserve. I am your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain. It is great to have you here with me. My guest for this episode is emotional intelligence specialist, Kristen Harcourt. We will be talking about what it takes for leaders to make their businesses more profitable by becoming more people-centric. And we will get to that in just a moment. In the meantime, feel free to be part of this conversation. You can go ahead and subscribe to this program. I'd love it if you gave me a review or even some comments about today's episode. And while you're at it, share this podcast if you know someone who could really benefit from today's content. A lot of conversations in the last year have been centered around the needs of the people in our businesses. Issues like the great resignation, diversity inclusion, mental well-being, the list goes on and on. And while other issues like supply chain and inflation still permeate the newswire, business issues with their people is still the number one challenge businesses are facing. Which brings us to our question of the day. As a business operator, manager, or an entrepreneur, How have you adapted to the needs of your people in this last year? Go ahead and share your response. I'd love for you to share what you're doing because it might help other people as well. Go ahead, put this, tag this on social media and also hashtag it experience leadership. That way we can follow along in the conversation. As I mentioned, my guest today is the executive coach, keynote speaker, and emotional intelligence specialist, Kristen Harcourt. In addition to being an in-demand speaker, a facilitator. Kristen is also accredited coach, empowering leaders to become more aware of their strengths, blind spots, values, and purpose so they can build lives and organizations of success, sustainability, and health. Kristen loves to travel, do dance parties with her kids, practice meditation, yoga, and kickboxing, and has been known to jump out of planes for charity. Hmm. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Oh, so good to be here, Mark. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) Before we get into today's topic, could you dig a little bit deeper into what you do for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that great question. I would say the work that I do is really to help leaders pause, take a step back, and learn more about themselves, who they are, what they want, why they show up the way they show up, 
and how ultimately they can show up as the best versions of themselves in order to create more engaged workforces, more engaged teams, and happier lives for themselves as well and the people around them. So do you specifically work with leaders specifically, or do you work with like intact teams or management teams? Yeah, I really work with both. So it's working with individuals and helping them understand themselves better and what it looks like to show up with the best version of themselves when it comes to a lot of those things like emotional intelligence and communication. And then if you think about teams, the teams with a whole bunch of different humans working together with a lot of different operating systems and ways of seeing the world, it's really important for them to understand each other better so that they can better support one another and also give the opportunity for each of them to be in their zones of genius and understand what might work really well for one person might not work so well for another person and be really aware of that. And it's really pretty cool because if you're starting with the top of an organization, a lot of those personal changes at the top will snowball down to the rest of the organization. A hundred percent. My experience is if I can have a team at the top who really gets this, and it's not just something that they're understanding on an intellectual level, but something that they're really embodying, then they're out there constantly modeling that for the people around them and also able to support when people are asking for resources to support other changes in the organization and cascade down to the other leaders as well. So it's really, really important that they're living and breathing those values and those behaviors that they're wanting for others in the organization. I love that. And I look forward to uncovering what this all means to our audience today. At the top of the show, I mentioned several people issues that are part of the business conversation right now. Things like the great resignation, diversity, inclusion, mental well-being. Do you think this is a new phenomena? <laughs> so I've been talking about humanizing the workplace and talking that language probably at least 10 years. It feels like even a little bit longer than that. And even the great resignation, I've been calling that the great awakening and awakening on both levels. It's awakening for the individuals and them really recognizing what do they want? What kind of workplace do they want to be working for where they can really be set up to be successful and do their best work? But now the organization is having to take a step back and take some ownership and responsibility for the ways that they perhaps are not creating that kind of environment. And top talent is saying, I'm not going to stay working in a workplace where some of these things are not happening. And so it's allowing both the organization and the individual to take a step back and make some really profound changes. Why do you think it's all coming to a head now? Like, I mean, really, it really is. We're on the tip of this iceberg now where it's all rearing its ugly little head. So why now? Why is the catalyst pushing it all forward now? Yeah, it's a really important question. I think this has been in the works for a while and it's just kind of snowballed. It's, it, there's these different intersections that are all coming together at the same time. So if we start looking at what was happening uh, during the global pandemic, of course, it was a big shakeup, right? A lot of people where they thought they had control recognize, oh, I really thought I had control and I recognize how much control I don't have. And so that's a hard thing for a lot of people to work through. So we had that happening and a lot of things that were really difficult that people were experiencing, again, on multiple levels. We had people losing jobs. We have individuals who are concerned about the health for themselves, for their families, for elder people, elderly people, for individuals who might have, be compromised from a health perspective. So that was going on. 
We have parents who have kids at home and they're trying to homeschool children. Like everyone gets these to get a gold medal for that one. As a mom of two, I could tell you that is really difficult. And so there was multiple things showing up from a mental well-being perspective. Then we start to think about what was happening in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and the systemic racism that has always been there. But we just saw all of these things that were coming to the forefront because people were at home and in front of televisions and it was getting their attention. And I think they were seeing things that previously it was easy to kind of not really look, really not put the attention there. So that brought up a whole bunch of things. And then I think underneath all of this, um, at the root of the organization, there has been a really, and I use the language awakening, people have been asking questions. I saw as a, as a coach and, and someone who's been working with leaders for almost 20 years, we can even look at generational when we started to see millennials and then getting Gen Z coming into the workplace. They started to have different demands. They started to say, I want to feel joy. I want to feel purpose in my work. I want to have work-life integration. I want to have flexibility around where I work. And it's so interesting because so many leaders where I was having this conversation around remote work way before the pandemic, no, 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 we can't do that. They're not going to get the work done, like total lack of trust. It wasn't about they can't get the work done. So all of that was happening all at once. And so this is why I think it's created a big shakeup. It's interesting because I have a philosophy that the true test of leadership is when things go horribly, horribly wrong. And COVID-19 was that test, was that it's like somebody slammed their foot on the accelerator for all the problems organizations have and has just put everything under a magnifying glass. I couldn't have said it better myself. It just amplified everything that was already there. It was there yes. and it just huge, hugely amplified it. And I love what you said there as well, because this has been a moment that has also created more connection because some leaders, this is the opportunity where they showed up and they asked questions and they supported their people and they were vulnerable and shared what's going on in their world. And people got in, got to get into people's homes, right? We're all on these Zooms. They're seeing people's kids, where they live, their hobbies. And so in some ways, it actually did create this level of connection and bringing your whole self to work, which I have been promoting for a long time as well. But it was easier for people to have like, this is my at home persona. This is my at work persona. Those two roles, those two identities really merged. And so for some people, I've had I heard amazing feedback around how they were so they were in so much admiration and had so much respect and were inspired by their leaders and how they chose to so show up at this time with everything that was going on. I think at the same token, too, that also personified the employees. It also made the employees into people with lives outside of the corporate structure or their business structure. I think it created a level of connection, right? So sometimes people even understood like they could see similarities in each each and one another that perhaps they didn't see before, right? So, you know, we have two people, very different lives, but they both have older parents that they're concerned about. Now, all of a sudden, there's that connection because they're experiencing it. Somebody else who might have not talked a lot about their kids. I, I mean, I have a lot of leaders who don't even the go to work and don't really talk about their children and their life outside of work. Now, all of a sudden, they're sharing that and they're commiserating and saying this, sharing the struggles and what that must be like. And from a mental well-being perspective, there has been a lot more discussions around, you know, what's going on and, and feeling our feelings and 
the dualities of our experience. While we can have gratitude on one hand that to be alive, there's gratitude that comes along with that. Yet at the same time, mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted and be feeling really sad and suffering. And you can be experiencing both of those together. So I think from a humanity perspective, we started to connect to our shared humanity. It's really interesting because, you know, I entered the workforce when I was 16 years old back in uh, 1977. (laughs) And the workplace was entirely different. Like you went to work and the management philosophy was, if I want your ideas, I tell you what they are, right? If I ask you to do something, I don't want you to ask why. I want you to say, ask me how high, right? This whole philosophy of control, control, control. And you even mentioned it, you know, this transition even prior to COVID where it's like, why don't you let people, oh, because I don't trust them to do the work. All that is still that mentality of that pre-COVID line of thinking. As we move forward now, as businesses are starting to adjust to, you know, hybrid workplaces or remote workplaces or in-person workplaces, what do you think the future is going to be holding now for the demands of the leader? Yes, that's a really good point. I think so what people are recognizing is the old school philosophy of command and control where we start to think in the industrial revolution, where people used to work on a line and what that looked like in terms of you had to tell people what to do, that doesn't work anymore. And so this new version of leadership really has to be something that's more, not a one size fits all, but more around adapting, adapting to the workplace and understanding you have a lot of different individuals with different needs, different motivations, and really spending the time as a leader, having more conversations tapping into more curiosity, spending a lot of time listening through asking those questions, recognizing that your job as a leader is not to have all the answers. (laughs) Your people can give you answers that you don't know. You're not in their world. And so it's not, and and, hey, I'm taking some some heaviness off of your shoulders because I see a lot of leaders who feel like their role and responsibility is to have all the answers. No, you need to go out there and ask the questions and hear what's your workforce telling you? What do they need more of? What do they need less of? What's working really well for them? What's not working very well for them? And that's where you start to make changes. And of course, you're not making all of the changes at once, but make sure that your people are knowing that you're paying attention and listening to what they're saying and being transparent and having that open communication. And guess what? That's where you start to build a lot of trust and engagement and loyalty. People want to work for organizations with leaders that are coming from that place. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, what you've just painted is kind of this ideal situation with this leader being highly present in their workplaces, taking the time to actually talk to their staff and talk to their employees and find out what what are their needs and so on. If you were to rate the business world today? How do you think leaders are faring? Mark, it's not a good picture. (laughs) I would say that there is what's different and where I have seen a shift is there is a a wanting and a knowing that showing up more coach-like would be effective. Where the disconnect is, is I don't think they know how to do it. They just think, well, I get it. I could see how that would be valuable. But they're still, they're doing what they've seen. So perhaps when they think about the leaders that they reported into, they were more micromanaged. They didn't have leaders who coached and asked questions. So I think where the disconnect is a little bit of confusion around what it looks like to do that. And then the other thing that I think is getting in the way of leaders. So 
if I was going to give a, a rating, I'm going to give them a number, I would say four out of 10, five out of 10 is what I'm seeing if I just holistically certain organizations, of course, there's lots of training is being provided. So their learning curve is better, and I would rate them higher. But the other thing that I think is getting in so many leaders way is they are they have busy, they have busy jobs with a lot of demands, they're trying to do 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 they're in action, trying to do all of these business outcomes. And they're not creating time and space for the coaching piece. Here is what I'm going to tell you. I know this is going to feel counterintuitive that there's just no time. But if you actually proactively make the time for the coaching conversations down the road, it is going to take away so much of the additional time that you have to spend in the business because communication breakdowns, because you're not all working together as a high performing team. You're not getting things done as effectively. And so I know that the leaders that are listening, some of them are going to say, Kristen, if you saw my calendar, I'm in back-to-back meetings. And so the first thing I'm going to ask you is, why are you in back-to-back meetings? Should you be in back-to-back meetings? Show me the white space on your calendar. There's no white space on your calendar. You need to have white space on your calendar to be doing some of this stuff, asking yourself around the big questions in terms of strategy in terms of creativity, in terms of coaching conversations with your people. When this happens, everything else runs so much way, way, way more smoothly. Yeah, it's interesting eh? because it is now what you're talking about is looking at one's job description, essentially, and getting really proactive in prioritizing coaching and mentoring for all the busy work stuff. Yes. Right. And like you said, it's counterintuitive because to a, a leader, it's like, boy, if I if I sit down, I have, you know, if, if this idea of coaching and mentorship in the hierarchy of our organization is I'm responsible now for all these division managers. So I'm going to have to make time to sit and coach and mentor with them. And then I'm going to expect that they're going to do the same thing in their teams. Well, you know, it's like we're not going to get anything done yet. It's like you said, it's absolutely counterintuitive because once you do it, it's like, oh, my goodness, I can take my foot off the brake. And we're on the energy level of the organization is on cruise control. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Right. It's And this is where I think self-reflection is so important is because as a leader, if you're not taking a step back to ask yourself those questions, is this the most effective use of my time? And I mean, meetings is one that we could do a whole podcast episode just on that because (laughs) there are so so many meetings that should not be meetings. Email communication, while it's great, it has lots of ways that is not being used effectively at all, that is actually spending hours in people's days, not effectively. And also what happens a lot with leaders is what gets perceived as an emergency is where they're spending their time, yet it's not actually an emergency. Their thought process, it feels like, well, that person's come to me, so it feels like that's at the top of the list for priorities, but quite often it's actually not. And so we've got all these leaders running around in emergency mode and not actually owning their day, the day's owning them, right? Everybody's coming to them. And so this is why as leaders, I think it's so important to take a step back and constantly be asking questions of yourself. You know, one of the exercises I give to my clients, Mark, is, and this isn't a long time, three to five minutes at the end of each day, what were the wins today? Where did I struggle? And what am I going to do differently tomorrow? Like, what did I learn from those things that I struggled with, right? So that they're constantly pulling that information forward and doing something with it. I love it. I love it. You know, you just gave me an idea for another podcast. I'm going to have to invite you back because the next podcast we're going to do is going to be about around meeting. And 
The title is going to be To Meet or Not to Meet. That is the question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> little, we'll make it a little Shakespearean and stuff. We'll dress up for it. <laughs> I would like to talk about the importance of emotional intelligence, and we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with the fabulous Kristen Harcourt. Kristen, a lot of things that you've been talking about now, about leadership, self-awareness, and so on, I'd really like to delve into a little bit about this concept called emotional intelligence. And for those people who really have maybe seen it but really don't understand it, what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, I think that's an important question because I think people have various ideas of around what that looks like. Some people touchy-feely. Emotional intelligence is really about both emotional and social skills. And so it starts with understanding your own emotions and what you're experiencing in your internal landscape and how you're expressing that to others. Emotional intelligence is around building interpersonal skills and how you're building relationships with the people around you and how you're able to make meaning and understand what other people are experiencing in their world and understanding their emotions. And it's also as emotions are heightened, your ability to be able to cope with challenging situations. So when we start to think about stress and resilience, and so it's very much about both your internal experience and then the experience of those around you and how all of those are interacting together. So how does emotional intelligence differ from, say, empathy? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So empathy is definitely a part of emotional intelligence. So when we start to think about interpersonal skills, to be a great leader, I believe we really need to be able to tap into things like empathy. And as a leader, to be empathetic is around putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And that's by just actually even being able to be a really present listener. Everybody could just work on listening. We would have, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how much it would transform our organizations to be actively listening, to be present with the person in front of you not waiting to respond, not already knowing what you're going to say anyways, but just truly listening to understand. And when you're also listening to understand and people can feel that presence, they, that individual feels ultimately, it feels seen and heard. And we're all humans in organizations in work or outside of work that all want to feel seen and heard. And so that's empathy is one level of emotional intelligence. Some other areas around emotional intelligence are paying attention to what's going on in your internal dialogue. So things like self-regard, what's your self-talk look like? A lot of leaders would not speak to their friends the way they're speaking to themselves, super hard on themselves, expectations, leadership. When we start to look at emotional intelligence in terms of self-expression, it's also things like assertiveness, our ability to be independent. It's also about problem solving. So when emotions are heightened, are you able to get grounded before you make decisions? I like to talk about the pause button because if we don't pause, we have issues with, like, with things like impulse control and reality testing. We don't see reality as it is. And I'm sure everyone listening can think of a time where you sent an email and afterwards you regretted sending that email. 
That's emotional intelligence. That's impulse control and stress, right? When stress, when emotions are heightened, what are you doing when those emotions are heightened? What are your coping mechanisms? Can you stay flexible? Are you still remaining optimistic? Are you putting things into perspective? Those are all areas of emotional intelligence. Well, and it's interesting because when our emotions do get heightened, when we are angry or frustrated or things, you know, you just, you get triggered by something. The Oscars come to mind. (laughs) The lizard brain takes over and you're no longer rational, right? So how does one recognize this is happening? I recognized it years ago. I couldn't understand you know, a situation that happened, I was so mad at the situation. I was just like, and a couple hours later, you know, I was dealing with the problem. I was just working through it and stuff. And, you know, at the end, I ended up with a really good day. But then I sat back and thought to myself, why was I so mad? Like, what was it that triggered me to be so like, like I wanted to throw things? And, and so this idea of it was looking back with the sensible brain, it's like, why was I so irrational? (laughs) Right. And so how do people mitigate that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's first of all, it's just an awareness. We all we are all going to get into moments like that, things that trigger us. And we don't all have the same triggers because we all have different lived experiences. And so a lot of times a trigger is actually bringing up something that happened in your past. And so it's a safety thing. And so just to talk about what's happening in terms of your nervous system, So you've now gone into fight, flight, or freeze. And so the nervous system, the adrenaline, the cortisol is going. Your body is trying to protect you because it has some really great coping strategies that back in the day, it thinks there's a cyber-toothed tiger, right? There isn't a cyber-toothed tiger anymore, but it doesn't recognize that. So it's doing everything it can in that moment to keep you safe. And so that is not when you want to be taking action, right? So in that moment... So what you can start to do in terms of building awareness is just noticing what happens physically to you when you're noticing you're getting into those moments. So I'll give myself, for example, use myself, for example. So I know those moments when I'm getting triggered and it's the cortisol is really going, how I experience it is in my body. I notice my chest gets really tight. It gets hot. My hands start to get sweaty. It starts to be harder to breathe. I feel some anxiety in my stomach. I start to feel knots. And so I'm going to notice in that moment, okay, my nervous system right now, it's been hijacked. My brain has been hijacked in this moment. And so what do I need to do right now to calm myself down? And so some of the coping strategies might be, okay, I'm going to actually get up from where I am from my desk and I'm going to go walk around and have some movement. I'm going to sit down intentionally, take some deep breaths. I'm going to slow it down, right? Because your body is right now, it needs just some slowing down. So I'm going to take some deep breaths. Sometimes it can even actually be doing something to move through what's happening in your body. So anger right now, we a lot of us think that there's certain emotions that are good emotions and other emotions that are bad emotions. All emotions are not good or bad. They just are. And it's what you do when those emotions are happening. So sometimes even if I notice by, by myself and the emotions are really heightened, I might actually go downstairs to my punching bag and take it and do some punches in my punching bag to just move through the emotion. So you want to be aware of what's happening. You want to do what you can to calm your nervous system. So I want to be conscious of some people listening right now. They might notice, oh, this happened at work, Kristen. I can't go to my punching bag. I'm in the workplace right now and it's happening. So if you're noticing that you're having a conversation with someone and in that moment, it's really heightened. 
you have permission to say, I'm noticing right now, there's a lot going on. And I just, I realize I need to take a pause right now. Can I, can you give me two or three minutes? I'm just going to go to the bathroom or take a little walk and come back again. You can do that. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. And I just think so many leaders feel like, well, they can't, they can't. It's like this rule they've created in their head. It's not actually true. It's not accurate. I've had clients where even they noticed it was happening in a meeting and they said, you know, I'm going to have to step out. I'll be back in five minutes. If it's somewhere where you're in a meeting and you're noticing that it's, there's just, you know, two of you and you know, the emotions are heightened and you can start feeling it coming up. You can even say to that person, you know, I'm just noticing I'm not in the best frame of mind right now to have a productive conversation. Can we have this later on this afternoon? Or can we connect for this conversation tomorrow? It's really those coping strategies are noticing if, if you can't right now show up as your best self, it's not the right time to have that conversation. I love it. You know, as you were talking about this, it reminded me of, you know, situations where people get incensed and they get hurt. I think I have a theory that after you're like 12 years old, you stop telling people that your feelings get hurt. Because when you're seven and you come home and you say, Johnny hurt, tell Johnny not to hurt your feelings. And I think as adults, we stop recognizing that a lot of times what's hurting, what we're feeling is actually that hurt. And so your strategy about being that present and being aware and saying, yeah, okay, right now I'm I'm feeling like I'm being attacked. I'm feeling like I'm hurt because I did all this work, you know, whatever it is. And being able to distance yourself away from it, I think, is the magical key. And you can actually experience your healing in your workplace. Like, that's the beautiful part, right? Some of this is a healing journey as you're talking about it, right? It's like you didn't have anyone supporting you necessarily in that moment. Or even as a child, right? The parents are like, you know, suck it up. It's fine. Move on. Or they're trying to fix it. You never got a chance to actually process and work through those emotions. And now they're showing up again. Now, as the adults, you get to be there for yourself as the adult. You didn't get to have someone necessarily there for yourself, or you couldn't be there for you as a seven-year-old because you didn't have the mental capacity, right? I always say to people like, good for you, your five-year-old self or your seven-year-old, look how resourceful they are. They had to come up with a coping strategy in this moment, but now you're the adults. And so now you can do things a little bit differently. And the beauty of relationships, this is all relationships. Like this is why I love this work because as a leader transforms in his workplace or she transforms in her workplace, it now transforms the relationship with their significant others with their family members, with their children, because you're a whole person and all of this transfers into all areas of your life. It's amazing. This idea of self-awareness for leaders, how self-aware are leaders? Like I I talk to leaders and they think that they're super self-aware. Yes, yes. So it's interesting. Dr. Yurich did some work around this. And so she's done tons and tons of work around self-awareness and law research studies. And in her research studies, she found that 95% of people said they rated themselves as I'm highly self-aware. And really, she said the numbers are more like 8 to 10%, right? Like around 10% of us truly, truly have strong self-awareness. And she also grouped self-awareness in two different areas. So the self-awareness is you knowing yourself and being aware of what's going on, right? So Mark, you might say to yourself like, ooh, I notice in this moment, you know, I need to take a break from this. So you're having that self-awareness there. But then self-awareness, and that's one category. Self-awareness is also other people and how they perceive you. And so you might even be going around saying, oh, I've got such great self-awareness. And then you'd ask your significant other or someone at work and they'd say, 
Well, you know, in some situations, not always, not really, right? So the other, what this is why I'm such a big fan of doing 360s with leaders, because it can be very enlightening when they get some feedback from other individuals. It's not that they were trying to be difficult. It's not that they wanted to do these things. They're just doing things without realizing that they're doing it. And it is having an impact on people. I love it. This is so fascinating, Kristen. If this is resonating with people, how can they get into contact with you? Yeah, thank you. Um, So anyone who wants to uh, have a conversation, I'm always open to connect. And you can check out my website, which is just my name, kristenharcourt.com. And I'm also very active on social media. You'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all under the same thing, under Kristen Harcourt. Happy to connect. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and and make a, and send me a connection request. Would love to meet you there. I, I love this content. And as the viewers will recognize, they have a couple of people who are super passionate about this stuff. So I would, my challenge to the audience would be if you know somebody who could use this information or you're a member of an association who understands that this kind of information would be magical at your next conference, why don't you go ahead and reach out to either Kristen or myself? It'd be a, a great opportunity, I think, to share Kristen's knowledge by getting her up on a big stage somewhere. Kristen, is there some way that people can test their perceptions? We're talking about the self-awareness thing. How do they test themselves to find out how self-aware they actually are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a really good place to start is actually by getting feedback from others. And it's something that people don't do enough. <laughs> and it's recognizing that the first time you ask, people might say, oh, you're great. No, don't change. And then ask again, and then ask again, and then ask again, because people, they don't know the first time you're asking, are, do you really want to hear the answer? Or are you just asking because it's, you know, you think you should ask. And so they want to know it's it's vulnerable. I just want to say like when somebody asks, uh, sometimes people find it difficult to get feedback from others. It's very vulnerable. The person delivering, it's vulnerable to ask for feedback. It's also very vulnerable for that person who's actually putting themselves out there and offering the feedback to you. My experience with a lot of leaders is the first or second time that they ask, they don't get the information, but when they ask again, or they can say, One of the things that I'm working on is being a better listener. Could you let me know those times that perhaps I'm not showing up as the best listener that I could? So now you're also directing the person. So from the leader's perspective, if there's a specific area you're working on, let your team know, let your significant other know. They're very happy to give you feedback on that as well. And then you let them know, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is I notice sometimes when I'm in a meeting that I'm always the first one to talk. And so I want to make sure I'm creating space for others to be able to participate and be able to talk and that I'm not dominating the conversation. So please, can you let me know if after a meeting, you notice that I was really dominating the conversation or I was speaking over people? I'd really appreciate you giving me that feedback. So now people are also more likely to give you the feedback because you're being very specific on what you're working on. And then they can let you know how you can do that specific thing better. But I'm a big believer asking feedback, asking for it regularly. And then also when you're doing one-on-ones with people, you can be saying to them, hey, as your leader, what could I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? And then this is where you start to get what works really well for one person. They might say, yeah, I love, you know, you sharing information all the time. Somebody else might say, 
I feel a little bit micromanaged and I'd like to have a bit more autonomy, autonomy, right? So it's also recognizing it's not one size fits all. So you're constantly adapting as a leader. And I find that kind of feedback can create tons and tons of additional self-awareness. I love it. You know, it really does mean that we need, as leaders, we need a level of humility to be able to understand that we're not perfect. And we have to be vulnerable enough to be able to admit it. You know, it's all about humility. And it's it's really recognizing, and this is where I really like to celebrate growth and development. I mean, Mark, you're never done. I'm never done. We are not done until the, the, the day we die, is my belief, right? We're constantly evolving. I to think of the onion it's one layer and another layer and another layer and you might think oh i i'm done this and then all of a sudden another layer comes and so you're never done and i don't think of that as a bad thing or oh we need to be perfect it's actually that's growth feels great like because you're constantly the lines here and then you're moving the line more and you're moving the line we all we would feel stagnant if we got to this place and then we were all done right we're all actually looking to continuously grow and develop and evolve so i think it's just about welcoming it in and seeing that as an opportunity as opposed to that being somehow a bad thing yeah yeah some people might be watching this and realizing now that they're filtering through and kind of testing their self-awareness testing where they're at as a leader. Are there any cautionaries to what we're talking about today? Yes, I'm glad you asked that. I think what's really important is self-compassion, right? So now all of a sudden, someone might hear this conversation and realize, oh my gosh, now, you know, I, I realize I just have not been listening, haven't been listening to my kids, to my partner, to my employees. And so now they feel like it's time to bash themselves. And no, no, this is your work in progress. And so To me, it's around one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. It's this shuffle, it's a dance. And it's about giving yourself the space to be practicing. You know, one of the things I I ask my daughter every night is, how are you kind? How did you fail? How are you courageous? And it's because, as and I've been doing this, she's 12 now. We started doing this when she was around eight, seven or eight years old, because I don't want her to see failure as a bad thing. I want her to see failure as, She went out there and she put herself out there. She tried something. And what did she learn through the process of trying? So, but you have to really have a growth mindset and you have to have a level of humility again, like you said, and self-compassion, right? So really give yourself space and think of this as fun and playful and you're experimenting and it's exploration from that place, as opposed to the place where it's around oh, I'm not meeting my expectations. I should know how to do this already. That's not going to get you to where you want to go. I love it. I love it. This has been such a valuable conversation, Kristen. I can't thank you enough. Do you have any last thoughts about what we were talking about today? Yeah, I think last thoughts would just be, you know, we all have this breath. We use it all the time, but we don't pay attention to the fact that we're breathing day in, day out. And it's really, really valuable. So those times where you're feeling any type of emotion, any type of overwhelm, if you could just give yourself a couple of seconds to pause and take some deep breaths or just move away from your desk and walk around for a couple of seconds, it truly, I almost feel like it's magical how powerful that can be. So really taking the pause and coming back to your breath and just taking it one day at a time, baby steps, baby steps. Love it. Could you remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? Yes. Thank you, Mark. So it's Kristen Harcourt, 
So K-R-I-S-T-E-N-H-A-R-C-O-U-R-T.com. Love it. Kristen, thank you so much again for sharing your passion, your knowledge, and your expertise. This has been absolutely magical. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for wonderful questions and a really great discussion. I've, I've truly enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Why don't you let me know if this was of value to you? As always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, please feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is in the show notes. Also in the show notes is Kristen's contact information, and I believe she offers 30 minutes consultation as well. If you want to pick her brain, explore, do a little discovery call with her. She is absolutely fabulous. As always, I am at your service. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this feed? This podcast is to your service. This is the only reason why I do it. If you subscribe to it, if you ring the bell, you will get notifications and first dibs whenever I create new content that will help you create the jaw-dropping, show-stopping experience your employees and your customers deserve. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you.